to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Welcome to the Doing Time show. Um, I'm Peter. We're talking to Alexia from Switzerland about letter writing collectives in Switzerland. Hi, Alexia. Um, could you let listeners know where you are from? Yeah. Hi. Hi, everybody. My name is Alexa. My pronouns are she and her. So I'm from Basel, which is a small city in Switzerland. And Switzerland is a country in Europe in between Germany, France, Italy and Austria. And first and foremost, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land here in Narum or Melbourne in Australia, especially as a white person coming from a country that has very much profited from colonization and is still profiting from it. Think of Swiss chocolate. I've actually never seen cocoa growing in Switzerland. Yeah. Are there letter writing groups or collectives in Switzerland? So as far as I know, there are no big official anarchist Black Cross collectives or ABC collectives in Switzerland. However, there are several individuals and collectives who fight against prisons, including asylum prisons or deportation camps. And yeah, of course, individuals and collectives who support prisoners. Right now, the Swiss state is planning and building centralized federal camps to lock up refugees and militant direct actions against them are incredibly are an incredible important part uh, of the struggle against this racist state and those murderous borders. But of course, yeah, another way uh, amongst the many, many ways to fight is through writing letters. Because writing letters can be an activity for everybody, for young people and elderly. People can do it in groups or by themselves. It's a day or nighttime activity. One can also just draw something so you actually don't even have to write. People do not need to disclose their real identity, etc. And in general, it's also just a beautiful social activity to get together, to form bonds across different radical movements and to chat. And one thing that I guess can also, well, is quite special about letter writing is that writing such a letter might just take five minutes from our like daily life, but it can mean everything to the prisoners. I've talked to several prisoners and they had all like very different experiences in prison. But one thing that they all agreed on was that they perhaps wouldn't have survived uh, prison without support from the outside in the form of letters. Yeah, that's it. Eh? Um, how long have you those activities been going on? Yeah, so regular letter writing events have been organized in Switzerland for the past years already. So yep. you can find them, for instance, in Zurich, in Bern and in Basel. Those are like bigger towns in Switzerland. Depending on the city, they take place like every second or every fourth week. And whenever we had a close friend or comrade in prison, the events sometimes took place every week as well. So, yeah, for the past years. Oh, well, that's mm. cool. What political prisons do you write to? We write to comrades who are in prison in Switzerland, be it in quote-unquote normal prisons, but also in, like, in detention centers uh, for people who don't have papers and who await their deportation. We also write to prisoners in other countries, be it to prisoners in Italy, in France, Germany, or in the US or in Russia. Of course, here there are always like language issues, um, but one idea is, yeah, as I said before, to send pictures or drawings or graffiti or comics. But again, 
one problem that might also be due to the language barrier is that it's sometimes difficult to keep up uh, or to keep an updated list of prisoners and their locations because they're often uh, moved around. Um, mm. So, but there are in, in Europe, for instance, there is the Brighton ABC Collective, and they they really do a good job in keeping an updated list of prisoners around Europe, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm aware that you're an animal act rights activist. Do you write to animal rights activists? <laughs> yeah, we also write to animal liberation activists. And if listeners are interested in, in, in an international list of animal liberation prisoners, I would suggest to check out the page directaction.info. There you have a list with prisoners. Well, actually, they're mainly from the US and the UK. So it's Walter Bond, Joseph Debbie, Marius Mason, Brian Valiancourt, and Sven von Hasselt, and Sven is in the UK. And then there is also the Earth First Eco-Prisoner List. You can find this online on Earth on the page of the Earth First Journal, if you Google Eco-Prisoner, Earth First. Mm. And amongst Sven, um, Earth First also lists Ladislav Kuch. Ladislav Kuch is an, an animal liberation prisoner in Slovakia, and Ladislav in especially, in especially, in particular, he has not yet really received much international attention, so he surely would be glad to get yeah, some lines from you. Wow, cool. Where can you find more information about letter writing in Switzerland? I highly recommend um, the radical media site barricade.info. So that's barricade.info, and you spell it like that. It's B-A-R-R-I-K. A D E dot info, barricade dot info, and <laughs> this um, it's it's a collectively managed site for the radical and anti-authoritarian movement in Switzerland. Everybody can publish there, and so whenever a letter writing event takes place, you'll find an, an announcement on this site, and you find also other information about the movement in Switzerland, analysis, critiques, etc. Oh, cool. So. Um can you briefly tell us about the anti-fascist movement in Switzerland? Sure. So the anti-fascist movement at the moment is um, getting stronger, it seems, which is good news. So just some weeks ago, there were several demos in that small city, Basel, in Switzerland, with over a thousand people protesting a tiny, tiny rally by a national neo-Nazi party called PNOS, P-N-O-S, and with PNOS, only around like 30 neo-Nazis showed up. So it was their protest was really ridiculous. <laughs> um, and our protest was huge, very strong. But unfortunately, la just last week in that same town of Basel, there was an anti-Semitic act of vandalism against a local Jewish synagogue. And this could be that this was a revenge, perhaps, for that pathetic defeat um, yeah. of the fascists. And on that note, I'd like to express my solidarity with the Jewish community in Basel, in Switzerland and beyond, and also Good Hanukkah, as it's this time of the year. Yeah, but I mean, I think we should highlight that in general, apart from those events that I just mentioned, the situation in Switzerland, if it comes to fascist in the street, is not yet as dire as, say, in Germany. But nevertheless, we have to take a strong stance from the start, so from the very beginning, when those fuck knots, I tr learned that word in Australia, tried <laughs> to organize. Um, perhaps one thing, like a, perhaps a self-reflective thing on the movement, the anti-fascist movement itself is in Switzerland still mainly constituted by like white cis guys, but mm -hmm. 
but this is changing as well, and we have to forge alliances with the anti-racist movement, the movement against borders and prisoners, and the queer feminist movement. All of them are very strong and inspiring movements in Switzerland. And overall, we have to state that for privileged white kids, including myself, it's so much easier to confront, co to confront fascists in the streets because in contrast to people who are not red, as white, as straight, as cisgender or as Christian, they can actually choose when they want to get in a fight. So that's why the anti-fascist movement needs a re reflection on privilege as well. Yeah, right. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I just want to say thank you um, for the invitation and for your important work and dedication. And Pops, also one last thing to our listeners, apart from letter writing um, events in very far away Switzerland, hmm. Pops, take a minute and check out the local resources and structures here in Narum, such as ABC Melbourne or the Inside Out Collective. Uh, this collective especially uh, supports LGBTQIA prisoners in the region. They're all doing a fabulous job and you'll find them online. And also greeting, greetings to all prisoners who listen to this show. Much solidarity and stay strong. Yeah, and there's also IRL, they exactly. um, do the letter writing with Anarchist Play Cross Melbourne. Exactly, this, the yeah. info shop in Footscray. Yeah. Awesome. So, <laughs> so thanks for your time. We'll play a song now called System Failure. What's the, um, the it's called A, a bigger, bigger Cage, cage. Is still a prison. It's still a prison, right. I want more to sleep on 
under the night sky Hear the animals as they go about their lives Fill the fire warm my body Fill the mud under my toes But tonight myself for the future when instead of one month I could be here for years would I lose hope would I take my life or would we find a way to break ourselves out of here cause there's nothing I want more than to sleep under the night sky the animals as they go about their lives fill a fire Tonight this hell keeps me enclosed For if we don't have our freedom If we are captured by their iron hands Then the vision for fire it burns so much more bright There's no justice in this system A bigger cage is still a prison Well I hope that somewhere someone breaks free tonight Are you 18 years and over? Have you been stopped by a Victorian police officer or protective service officer in the last 10 years? Would you like to contribute to research that aims to inform law reform and litigation strategies to prevent over-policing? Go to policestopsurvey.online for more information and to take part. That's policestopsurvey.online, a 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. Um, next up, we'll have some um, snippets from um, prison radio that um, Mamiya Abdul-Jamal will, will be talking about prison issues and issues in the world. So um, let's all listen to that. So no. Mike is a young man in prison who uses his time studying so that when he leaves, he'll have something to contribute to his family and his community. He studied cooking when he was in high school and went on to being certified in this culinary art. He since studied business, electronics, and other areas to lift his levels of skill. He applied for a Pell Grant at the state prison in Mahanoy to take a college course in business. But guess what? Prison officials deny his application. Why? Because, they said, he knew enough. Therefore, he didn't need it. Unbelievable. When prisoners come to prison, one thing, and one thing only, stops them from returning to prison. Education. The more you know, the less you'll find yourself returning to the dead end of prison. And it isn't like the classrooms here are bursting at the seams. 
For out of 20 men who initially applied for Pell Grants and college courses, about five have continued in their studies. The rest, they've dropped out. Education really works against recidivism. Maybe that's why they really don't want Mike to go to college. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. Polls. If we believe the polls, on November the 6th, a political earthquake is coming. Reporters are almost breathless with tales of blue waves and transformation from one party to another. But if such predictions seem so sure, remember the elections of 2016, when polls proved woefully inadequate. Predictions fell like yesterday's lottery tickets. For polls, ultimately, are snapshots in time, and they can prove fallible to something as simple as the weather. Rain and cold temperatures can depress voting as the hardiest dare to brave the winds or weather of fortune. We are witness to the politics of fear and hatred of the other, them, those who are not us. But who are we if not them? It is interesting to see and hear of invaders to these shores. For to the indigenous First Nations, and the air of enmity. It will be bitter, nasty, and mean. And it will not end with that. It will leave a stench of anger, of hatred, and sourness that will long dwell in the national unconscious, as well as the memory of the world. Such will be the legacy of Trump. Such will be the unworthy inheritance of the American empire. For the better part of a century, America played the role of protector of the weak and benefactor of the world's oppressed. But that was when the world was a bipolar one. The fall of the Soviet Union made the world unipolar, the world's sole superpower. And with that reality emerged the U.S. without a peer and without a mask. We saw then is true, angry, And even then, 
nothing is guaranteed, as shown by the great debacle in Iraq. Iraq was driven by emotion, and emotions can lead to disaster. In America today, the country is led by a man who is led by emotions. It is led by hatred, pique, insecurity, and ego, emotions. Like a child, it can turn on a dime, raging like a wildfire, or as cold as a glacier. Emotions are ultimately unstable. They turn and twist like a weather vane in the wind. President Trump is that weather vane, turning, twisting, blowing. All those who do not embrace him are enemies. All the rest, servants of an unstable mind. Meanwhile, the world looks on in sometimes silent wonder. A few weeks ago, Trump brought his reality show to the General Assembly of the United Nations. In the midst of one of his campaign speeches, the UN burst into laughter, not with him, but at him. These men and women, the world's most esteemed diplomats, were laughing at the President of the United States. We've seen a leader who ignores or berates his advisors. A leader who damns and dogs the press. A leader who treats the Constitution with unbridled contempt. A man at war with his own government. A man at war with himself. A few days ago, millions of Americans delivered a massive rebuke, led mostly by women. I think more will be seen before this is over. While the president steers the culture of chaos. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. Big Man Howard. His name was Elbert Howard, but few people called him that. To his friends and comrades in the Black Panther Party, he was Big Man because he really was a big man built like a football player. He was one of six men who originally joined and built the Black Panther Party, and he rose to Deputy Minister of Information and for a time, he edited the Black Panther newspaper. He was born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee, but after he was discharged from the Air Force, he stayed in California. His impressive size and build, plus an impressive afro, made him a photogenic figure of a panther. But he was, in fact, a soft-spoken man, albeit matter-of-factly. When most of the party co-founders were in prison or on trial, Big Man would step into the gap and tell the party's story. He was an able, talented editor and writer and, when necessary, speaker. Albert Big Man Howard returned to his ancestors recently after 80 years of life. Albert Big Man Howard, Deputy Minister of Information, the Black Panther Party. All power to the people. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu 
Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. The rise that couldn't be. In 1952, a political scientist named Richard Hofstetter published a book that would become a classic, The Paranoid Style in American Politics. In the preface, former U.S. President Dwight Eisenhower is quoted for privately criticizing the far right as stupid. He also predicted that if that small percentage of the Republican Party ever prevailed, it would spell the end of that party. Hofstadter recounts the history of American political paranoia from early enmity against Catholics, then the Jews, and the other late immigrants to America. It's been over 60 years since his and Eisenhower's predictions and today's GOP is about as far right as it gets. The president has driven it further to the right, and it seems to get more aggressive than ever. We may be seeing the beginning of the demise of the Republicans, or the rise of a Trumpian party. History, it seems, doesn't always agree to predictions of the past for history, unlike science. Doesn't move in straight lines. History gives new life to old ideas, moves in circles, or sometimes gets trapped in cul-de-sacs. No one really knows what tomorrow may bring. History sometimes surprises us in tragedy or fire. From imprisoned nations, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. War against the poor and workers. It is an era of imperial freefall, and in support, the government is openly attacking Latino immigrants from Guatemala and Honduras, lobbing tear gas canisters at moms and babies. This after knowingly separating children from their parents, a gruesome stunt meant to intimidate Latinos and to draw simple human compassion away from them. Governments have traditionally turned immigrants into scapegoats, making them the latest targets of racist enmity. King Donald I called them bad dudes, criminals, and gang members, yeah, gangsters and diapers, right? Here's what it really is, class war, the poor versus the poor, workers against workers, divide and conquer. This ain't even an American thing, it's a capitalist thing. Rulers in Europe, America, and Latin America are using the power of fear to turn worker against worker. When politicians sell and spread the toxin of fear, it's time for workers to join with their fellow workers to unite and fight for all. The politics of capitalism are the politics of division, of class war, of dog-eat-dog, -dog, and 
of pushing people against each other instead of for each other. America remains the prison house of nations. It has 5% of the world's population and 24% of the world's prisons. The United States is the imprisonator in chief of this planet. On the bright side, we celebrate the release of Debbie and Mike Africa of the MOVE organization after 40 years in Britain. But that brief bright light reveals the horror of the system of shackles, chains, and handcuffs. That light shows us the injustice of the continued imprisonment of Leonard Peltier, a Lakota Native American activist in American federal prisons. So, before I go, I salute our friends and comrades in Germany. Thank you for what you do for human rights and freedom. On the move, from Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. Happy 93rd birthday to Howard Kaler. Dear brother, sisters, comrades, and friends of ILWU Local 10, on the move. I join you all in celebrating the remarkable life and struggle of ILWU's longest living member, Howard Kaler, a trade unionist and revolutionary who used labor power to defend every major social movement for freedom justice, and workers' rights the world over. From opposing the vicious apartheid system in South Africa to opposing the American Nazi group. From strikes against police brutality to struggling for my life and freedom in 1999, Howard's life work is a reflection of ILWU's battles and struggles yet, but it's also a reflection of the human rights movement for much of the 20th century, and yet, even the 21st. Brother Howard, I salute you. You bring great honor to the ILWU, and you serve as a powerful example of labor power. Happy 93rd birthday, brother. From Imprisoned Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. And next up we have um, Marianne from um, WA. Her, and we're going to talk about an interview with her um, coverage on the about the First Nations rights um, native title landmark court case. This is our last show, and the Doing Time show will be back on the 21st of Jan January. Hello, Marianne, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, brother. How are you, Bob? Oh, can you tell us, the listeners where you're from? Um, I'm in Yungar, Yorga. Um, yep. I come from the southwest of WA, so they know it as Yungar Nation. Yeah. Um, and my bloodline runs through all the, the 14 um, clan groups of Yungar Nation. Oh, cool. Um, could you tell us about what's happening? Well, there's really 16, really, but 
That's really? another debate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, could you tell us about what's happening with the in regards to the First Nations struggle in your with your people and experience? Well, basically, um, what we're fighting at the moment and what we have been fighting against for the last kind of like 12 years um, is a representation of the South West Aboriginal Land and Sea Council and, you know, their so-called negotiations with the state government regarding, you know, our rights to our land. Yeah. So, um, like, back in the day when everyone was doing native title when they thought it was a good thing and putting in their applications... Um, there were around 76 applications put forward, and what the Southwest Aboriginal Land and Sea Council did was group them all together, um, even though they were all from different areas of Noongar Nation. Mm. Um, they were grouped all together to create the single Noongar claim because they said that we'd have a stronger chance of winning if we all went as one Noongar Nation, yeah. you know, for full native title. Yeah. Um, and so to me personally, um, my belief is it was just a scam, you yeah, know, yeah. to get control of the whole of Noongar Nation because we're very rich in resource and minerals, yeah. um, you know, and a lot of sand and that. We have a lot of sand mining that goes on in our country as well. Yes. Um, yep. And none of the benefits flow onto our people. Like, we don't see them, you know, and I don't know what the Land Council does with the funds that it does manage because none of us see anything on the ground, whether it's for funerals or education, jobs, anything, we always scrapped them, you know, to try and pay for things. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell us about the court case? There was a court case not long ago. Yeah, well, we had, um, on the 5th of December, we had a, um, a directions hearing for judicial review. Um, yep. And so basically we have the two different pathways that our Noongars are working in and one is the McGlade case um, with Naomi Smith and elders Annie Mingley and Annie Margaret Colbong and that. Mm. Um, and so what they're doing is they're attacking the registration of the Ilyuas. So they're working a court case within the native title framework within that process um, and attacking the Ilyuas because, as we all know, when they won the case last year, the federal government swooped in and quickly amended the Native Title Act so that anyone could sign off an Ilyuas. Oh, um, wow. And that's oh. not cultural protocol. Yeah, oh. so that's what they did last year. So that's what um, Naomi and the mob are doing with the McGlade decision, and that's what we've called for assistance for legal funds for because um, they're going through the same law firm that they won the case with before, um, which makes sense, you know? Yeah. And then what we've got with us mob that are the self-represented mob with Peter David that we've nominated as our legal advocate, he was the CEO of the Good Noongar Land Council. That's who Swole took everything from. Mm. Um, and basically, they were a proper land council. They weren't a corporation, a PBC, you know, under ORIC and things like that. Like, you know, they, they weren't a membership-based organisation. They were our Noongar Land Council. Yeah. And they listened to the people, whereas Swole have, you know, um, rules that they got to follow under the federal government, not to our people, you know. So what we're doing is, with our judicial review, we're attacking the whole process and saying, well, hang on, we still maintain our sovereign legal rights to our land, so where did you get rid of that right for you to force us under your jurisdiction to deal with native titles? So in a sense, we're questioning them regarding our sovereignty. And yeah, even it. though, you know, the High Court said that... Um, sovereignty can't be determined on a domestic level, mm. well, we can really actually ask them 
the question, well, how did you gain jurisdiction over my legal rights to my land? Like, where did you gain that legal jurisdiction? And um, I wasn't going to say anything at all. I was basically just going to leave it yeah. and let Peter just speak. But the judge said that whilst the state and federal government could put in an application to have our case dismissed because of a lack of competency. Oh, right. And, yeah, and I don't think that's fair because we've shown we're quite competent and Peter was the one who fought the court case before for three years to win it, yeah. you know, without legal, yeah. So, um, so I just... I just thought to myself, no, nah, and I could just do the old people, and I just stood straight up, and I just give it to him straight out, <laughs> and just told him, look, um, basically in a nutshell, I spoke for 10 minutes, but I basically just told him, look, you need to provide us with a legal document under any legal mechanism when it comes to settlement and discovery of land to show that you have, have forced our legal rights from us, that we have surrendered our legal rights, that you took us to war, whatever. I said, and I put it to you, Judge, that you can't give me any of that. So if you can't, I call for the immediate dismissal of the Southwest Aboriginal Land and Sea Council and this settlement and for the government to come back to the table with my elders. Mm. That's pretty good. Because there's, you know, and and what, what's really frustrating, Pete, and you know this, you know, as community radio, how mainstream never, ever pick up, you know, these, these big stories. And this yeah. is one of the biggest cases, if not the biggest case, yeah. that has ever happened on Yungar country. Sorry, truck gone past. <laughs> that's ever happened on Yungar country. And we put the federal court on notice. And not one mainstream media reported that. And NITV did a small 30-second story on NITV News. Yeah. But it's just not good enough. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. What's the, what, what was the media coverage? <laughs> Oh, NITV for about 30 seconds. Yeah. And, you know, none of the elders were speaking. It was just basically me and sister girl Maretta kick it, and we just said a few things within 30 seconds, and that was it. But oh, right. there wasn't any elders. Like, it wasn't... It should have been a featured story, you know, yarning with the elders, because this is, you know, like, this is important when it comes to the rest of the country, because if they get away with it here... They're going to roll it out to everyone else everyone, and do yeah. out-of-court settlements and just totally ignore the native title framework and our sovereignty, you know? So, and it's not fair. Yeah. So were the people on the Native Title Act, were they all, um, like, First Nation people or some white people? or On the what, sorry? Oh, the people who, you know, um, who are doing the, um, the, the act trying to get the land, were they... Um, Noongar people or white people? Oh, yeah, you've got, um, you've got, so what you've got is you've got Noongar people who thought that it was a good thing because the information was misrepresented yeah. and they trusted in the land council. So you've got good Noongars that just thought it was a good thing and now they realise and it's not. Oh. And then you've got, you know, the token sellout ones, the yes ones that the government looked for in every nation around the country. Yeah. Okay. So that's what they did here. They sifted through people... They collected a handful, um, and the votes didn't follow the procedure for the Australian Electoral Commission process. Oh, coconuts, um, and yeah. Prisoners, prisoners weren't even allowed to, must be the thing that wins, prisoners weren't even allowed to vote yet. Mm. In Australian elections, prisoners are allowed to vote, and the superintendent of the prison... There, I can hear you now, are you there? Yep, yep. Uh, it's just the reception when we go through Joondalup, because these are all old wetlands and stuff here. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, I, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Would it be beautiful, hey? Yeah, yeah, we're very blessed with our country, you know? That's it. Yeah. What were you saying about the um, coconuts and stuff? <laughs> hey, what was that? What were you saying about the, coco the coconuts and stuff? Oh, I was saying that, you know, they just get all the tokenistic, you know, the coconut ones, the Quislings, the Confidors, <laughs> the ones yeah. that'll work with government. You yeah, know, yeah. To, um, surrender their souls, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're always the ones that the government will work with. And, you know, most of them token coconuts mm. um, don't even do anything to get on country and care for country and give back to our ancestors the way that they did for us to survive, you know? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And that's what I say to everyone. Like, they'll say, oh, but we're in a modern world. And I'll say, yeah, and I understand that. But... We have to, our culture has had to evolve in a modern society. It doesn't mean that we've got the road building. The what? You know, like we, we still have an obligation yep. to um, care for country. And just because we might live in a house or we drive in a car instead of walking everywhere, well, mm. that doesn't make us any less young if we're not, if we're honouring our cultural obligations, you know? Yeah. But you've got a lot of these mobs that just assimilate straight out. Um, they're just mainstreamed, you know, like they don't do anything to honour the fact that they Nyungas and, you know, people can't say, oh, well, you know, I live in the city and it's like, wow, it takes like 20 minutes to half an hour to drive out of the city to bush where you're surrounded by nothing. Yeah. Like, Perth City isn't that big, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. It's, oh, it's ridiculous. Mm. And we got biggest mob of country, you know, like, and that's what I say to mob, even built up areas, still need to be looked after. That's it, You know, it's... whether they organise and a clean-up and getting all the rubbish out. You know, that's still honouring culture because we're keeping our bushes clean, our waterways clean. Yeah, the sacred sites you know? in the city too, isn't there? Hey? The sacred sites in the cities as well. Yeah, yeah, like everywhere, yeah. And we got Madagaras, like the island. You can see the city skyline, like, straight across. It's like 10, 15 minutes. It's just there. Like, yeah, right. But when you're on the island, like when you're on Madagara Bay, it's like the whole world just stops. And even though you've got the city and everything around you, it's like you're just in the middle of nowhere. Wow. Because it's just, yeah, like it's like all the sounds get blocked out until the police sirens go past. <laughs> like I'm sure they put them on just to annoy us, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Can you tell talk... But it is like the mob will say, oh, Nyunga's got no culture, Nyunga's got no culture, and it's like... We'll come to Nyunga country and we'll show you our culture because our culture is still alive and well. Oh, yeah. You know, oh. and under the Native Title Act, you've got to show so much evidence to be able to prove your connection to your land and culture and country. Mm. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, it's like, hang on, hang on. Don't make me prove where I'm from. Why don't you prove how you got here? Yeah. Like, why don't you prove That's your true. rights to my land? You know? And yeah. that's basically what the Native Title Act is asking us. To do, prove that you you come from here. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Can you talk about the, the government's yeah, role in, in um the all all the um all this? Pardon, what was that? Oh, can you talk about the government's role in all this, like the um as in the court case and stuff? Um. Well, basically, the state government they're a party, so you've got the state government with um they're a respondent, so. We're taking the state government, the federal government, um, the National Native Title Tribunal. Yeah. Um, and, and sorry about the um, interview was 
disturbed a bit by um, technical faults. Um, Marianne was driving and um, kept, kept cutting out. Um, and that was Marianne McKay, who's um activist from West Are you 18 years and over? Have you been stopped by a Victorian police officer or protective service officer in the last 10 years? Would you like to contribute to research that aims to inform law reform and litigation strategies to prevent over-policing? Go to policestopsurvey.online for more information and to take part. That's policestopsurvey.online, a 3CR supporter. Looking for a gift for the lefty in your life this Christmas? 3CR has a range of publications, clothing, CDs, wine and other products available online or from the station. New items include the 2019 How to Make Trouble and Influence People Diary, which features a radical event in Australian history for each day of the year, as well as stories and images covering Indigenous Australian resistance, strikes, street art, convict escapes, creative direct action, blockades, protests and occupations. Also available is Fighting for Spaces, Fighting for Our Lives, a collection of essays photographs and first-hand accounts about the squatting movements from around the world today. And On The Fly, an anthology which features dozens of stories, poems and songs originally produced by American hobos from the 1870s to the 1940s. Sale of these publications all help keep 3CR on air. For more information or to make a purchase, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Tune in, dig deep and clean up by purchasing some fantastic discounted gardening books from 3CR's online garden store. We have books on water-wise gardening, organic vegetables, roses, climbers and creepers and even clematis. It's easy. Just go to our website, 3cr.org.au and follow the links on the front page. Don't have internet access? Call the station during business hours between 9 and 5 and we'll post out a catalogue in the mail. All proceeds help keep Melbourne's favourite gardening show on air for another year. Tune in 7.30am every Sunday morning. I'm Tash Sultana, and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. That's right. This is Brother West from the American Empire trying to keep alive the legacy of John Coltrane, Curtis Mayfield, Nina Simone, and I am so glad you are listening to 3CR because 3CR is a force for good. It's telling the truth and allows you both to laugh, not at, but with others. Oh, what a grand radio station it is. 